Log Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. Hey, thank you so much. You know, I'm your host and cruise director, Madam Perry, or you can just call me Jennifer Perry. And I'd like to start off, as always, not just welcoming you, but thanking the listeners because, um, of course, I planned and wanted this show to grow because I feel very fortunate to have so many fascinating, uh, so many interesting people in my circle or people that I meet that I'm able to bring on as guests, and and I want to be able to share them uh, with you, with other people who have similar interests, or maybe you didn't know you were interested in a particular subject, and then find out that you are. I, I hear that often. Um, let's see, last night, our guest was, oh, and as I was saying, uh, because of you, because so many people have been subscribing, because I've had so many downloads and so many subscribers and so many of you are sharing this uh, it keeps my numbers up and it helps me to get sponsors on some nights and it also helps me to continue to get great guests like I've been having like I've got coming up and like I've got tonight uh, last night if you were listening my guest was Pat Duggins Pat Duggins is he's a news director actually he's an award-winning news director at Birmingham or excuse me Alabama Public Radio which is um a part of Alabama University, and he has written two books, Final Countdown, Trailblazing Mars. He has covered all of the NASA missions uh, and is as a well-known expert, a globally known expert in the subject. The night before that, I had Ricky Bird. Ricky Bird is the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Actually, he went in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when he was on tour as guitarist for Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. And he's also played with Ian Hunter, Southside Johnny, Slim Jim Fan, a lot of people you know. And um, he's been sober over 30 years now. His foundation, Clean Getaway, is also the name of his newest CD, which is all about recovery, and he's using the profits from the new CD, Clean Getaway, to uh, be able to fund his foundation, Clean Getaway, where he goes around the different treatment centers and gives talk and encouragement and entertains and inspires uh, people in rehabilitation for drug and alcohol addiction, and he's been doing this for a long time, very dedicated to the cause, and... um, I've got more people coming up, too. Remember next, uh, probably after the first year, Prairie Prince, drummer for the Tubes, and Todd Rundgren, also uh, Jesse Gress, guitar player, uh, Greg Hawks, guitars, Todd Rundgren, uh, the Tubes, as well as a lot of authors. Tonight is a guest that I had on the podcast about a year ago. Actually, it was, I believe, November of last year. At the time... She was talking about her first novel. She had just finished her first novel. Uh, She hadn't yet agreed to sign with any particular publisher, was looking at a few different ones, uh, and there was already interest in the film rights at the time. Well, now it's been a year later, and a lot has happened. Uh, And we're going to have... 
Jennifer Irwin step in here in Madam Perry's salon. She knows Leah. She knows the genie bottle. I think she even has her own cushion in here still. <laughs> and uh, I hope you feel welcome. It's even more than the first time. Uh, and Jennifer, welcome back. And I'm so excited to be watching the progress of your novel, Address the Color of the Sky. It's now. Uh, you did sign with the publisher with one of the contracts yes, offered. And, yeah, I know that was probably not a big deal. Me. I'm delighted. Yeah, I signed with the publisher since I last signed. Yeah, not an easy deal. Yeah, it's not an easy deal because some people can't get a publisher. You had a few different people, a few different publishers to mm-hmm. choose from, and you had to go through that. And uh, fortunately, you have a good attorney to help you out. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> That's true. And, I, I credited him twice in my acknowledgement. Once as my boyfriend, <laughs> and then the second time as my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, Charlie. Good, good man. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, see, it's valuable. I mean, you got your, your man is your attorney. He's got a vested interest in you doing well and not being cheated. Mm-hmm. My husband was my guitar player, and he was my sound chief sound guy on my tv show so yeah if, if something went wrong you know you either have a good ride home or you don't so <laughs> <laughs> that's right and didn't didn't he color his hair blonde for you too he, he colored his hair blonde didn't he really <laughs> so he's a, you got a keeper there i think you got yourself a keeper when they do what we tell them to do it's always a good thing <laughs> Oh, love, love is a powerful thing, isn't it? <laughs> hey, they, yeah. yes, we do. We have keepers, and they know that they're lucky, too. Yes, I did. I, I did. You you got my, one of my secrets, or one of his secrets, maybe. I did talk him into bleaching his hair when we were dating, just as a way he'd have to come back to me to keep it touched up, to keep it touched up, right? And so when we got married, we got married in Las Vegas, and, um, uh, one of the guys that worked at a music store in Atlanta said we looked like the Viva Las Vegas Viva. He called us Viva and Vivette because of the blonde hair. <laughs> Although, actually, and I and I know from the post that Charlie puts on Instagram, Charlie would have when uh, used to kill each other because whenever we get the bleach done and get rinsed off and the hair's back, we look like Billy Zoom from X. <laughs> and I know That's Charlie's funny. an X fan, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, he just went and saw them play. He was really excited. It was when I was on book tour, but so he had to go by himself. But yeah, he had a great time. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so cool. So so you sold the film rights and published. Address the call of the sky is published. You've been on a tour. You've been on podcast, radio, television, and you've had mm-hmm. your first um actual the first leg of your actual get out into the public and get on the road book tour and oh and your launch your launch out in california was phenomenal yeah that was really that That was yeah that was great well first of all i want to say that i have an amazing publicist who is just i mean she's very reliable she she does she you don't have to keep confirming she's just there she shows up and um, one of the things that kind of uh, really warmed my heart is when I was on, she figured out that I really need lemon water in the morning. This is California phenomenon. And she showed up in some ho- random hotel, and I don't even remember where, with a little Ziploc bag, with a hotel napkin, a lemon, and a plastic knife. And I thought, this is awesome. This is just awesome. 
Yeah. Um, but but basically, um, my the launch party in um, here in LA was it just it actually was very um, touching for me. There was a line out the door, and people were buying multiple books, and they wanted me to sign them. And we had a DJ, and one of my friends who's an incredible chef was the caterer. And um, the woman who is producing the film actually donated a bunch of fish because um, her family has a yacht and they do a lot of fishing. So they had all this fresh fish. And so, I mean, the food was just amazing. And it was just, it was a very festive, upbeat event and, and really touched my heart to see so many people show up to support me. It was just really heartwarming for me. It was a class act all the way, I can tell you, because, you know, being there, I mean, it was, um, you know, I wonder you'd think if it, if it would seem like, you know, I just flew out for the one night to go to this, because I had to be there. I had to see this. And I'll tell you what, it's, it was worth the travel it's just to get there and see. It was a class act all the way. Um, it was held in the um, in a business called Kelly Eye Designs. Uh, she's a, a des- interior designer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like the, a lifestyle the food, store, the, and a lifestyle, yeah, a lifestyle store. Yeah, in the way only you Californians can do it. It's just magnificent. And um, there was uh, catering was fantastic. They had a DJ outside and a big banner outside for photos. I saw you had press there. I mean, it was just everything. It was the line yeah. did go out the door, and and listen, folks, I was there. I didn't get out much because I was ringing the stuff up and and, and having a ball do it, doing it, you know. But yeah, it was I went real. You were great. I, I couldn't times. have made it without you that night. <laughs> I, I don't know that about night. that, but thank you. But I don't know. You had a lot of people there to help. But when a couple of times I went out because people were like, you know, I got six books I want. I got. You know, five books I want to buy for to sign. I'll go, okay, I don't want to lose them. So I'd run outside to get you. And, like, they would be out the door, the line still down the street. There were times, and I can testify, with a fact with my hand up, there had to have been at least at one time 40 people in line. I think the line stayed between yeah, 20 yeah. and 40 people at all times. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah, over no, three it was, hours. It was. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And I, you know, I, I wish I could have been two people that night. So I could have been outside and talking to people and people wanted to have their picture taken with me, which was really, really touching for me. And, um, you know, but at the same time, I was sitting inside signing books. But I mean, it was beyond my beyond my wildest dreams to see all those people supporting me and my dream that I've been chasing for a long time. So uh, it was great. It really was. And yeah, the film producers came. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to, to have I... everyone get. Yeah, say your name, Annette Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. I was so happy to see her and get to meet her. That was very exciting. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it was a great. It was great, killed. and then I started my book tour. Yeah, you've been uh, through the Southeast. You've had private events. Um, you, you know, I always try to encourage clients 
you know, don't just look for this kind of situation or that. Go go wildly unconventional. Uh, you don't have to have um, a book signing and author event just in one place. And a lot of authors are, you know, having maybe two authors on the stage, like an opening act or whatever, or some people mm-hmm. combine mm-hmm. with music. Uh, you were, I mean, you were, you know, you did Barnes and Noble stores, you did um, independent stores, what was it, Ch- uh, Chop Suey Books in Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and Barnes and Noble in, where were you, in, in Greenville, South Carolina? I- Asheville, yeah, I did a restaurant in Atlanta. That was great. Agave um, restaurant. i got to say their name, mm-hmm. Agave Restaurant, because they were thrilled to have you there. And, in fact, when I walked out, um, I got there earlier before the valet started. And when I came out, because I had a box of books, the valet guys were going, are you with the book? Are you with the book signing? <laughs> yeah, you, but I'm not the author. And they were going, yeah, this is really cool. And they, so the valet guys were asking me about it because they said everybody's walked out, you know, talking and carrying his books and looking at them. So, Aww, so that's, that's how so the viral neat. thing is. Yeah. 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 And that's a great restaurant. I've, the food was awesome and they were so nice. I mean, no, I really, I, I actually enjoy the out of the box thinking and doing book signings in unique locations. You know, I think that, I think it's really great. And you've had, and I don't think a lot of authors do this much, but you've had a lot of private events, too, with friends that you've had. You've, mm-hmm. tra- you've lived several places uh, in your life, and so you've had, and you've maintained friendships with people, and they've had private parties for you. And I think that's something else yeah, that a lot I, of authors don't do. Yeah, that have... I did a, I did a, somebody threw me an incredible party in Fort Lauderdale, and she was very, um, she's an interior designer, her home was just magnificent, and a lot of people I didn't know um, came, just friends of hers. And after I talked and I did a Q&A, people were buying four and five books and wanted me to write inscriptions inside to special people that were going through divorces, people that had were having hard times that thought they thought would help, you know, what the book would be reading the book would help them in some way. And it was just a really, it was an, un, I sold out of, out of books that night. I had zero books. Wow. I mean, it was people, yeah, it was amazing. It just really was. And, you know, I told one of my friends that almost every time I got on a plane when I was on book tour, I would, I would cry. And I couldn't tell if it was because of gratitude and just, you know, after all these years, I've, my book's finally published and here I am on book tour. And you know what I mean? All the emotions piled with that. Um, but one oh, of my yeah. friends that's in sales, yeah, one of my friends that's in sales said, no, I, I literally, after I do a big sales conference, I say, I schedule my nervous breakdown afterwards, you know, and it kind of made me feel better <laughs> because I was like, you know, I couldn't figure out if it was just the selling, you know, cause you're talking a lot when you're in, on book tour and you're selling, oh, yeah. you know, you're selling and, and you're um, on. And so yeah. it's, yeah, you're on. And, and so I would get on the plane and I'd be very humbled and I'd sort of recap stuff and I'd get kind of choked up and, I'd be like, oh, the person next to me is going to think I'm going to have a breakdown of a couple of years from now. <laughs> but, yeah, and it was the craziest thing. Every time I got on a plane, I started to cry. And it was, you know, it was a multi- multiple different reasons. But um, I just found that to be interesting. And then when I ran it by a couple of my friends in sales, they were like, oh, totally. Yeah, we do that too. Yeah. So it was good. It made me feel better. Really? Well, yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a, you know, you're there, you're on a mission. And – and then there's something else too I, I want to touch on. You know, you um, you talk about you know how hard you worked 
to get here and how many years it took to get the book and then planning and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, choosing publisher. This is not yeah. and a lot know, of thing. A lot of rejection. Yeah. And one of the things, um, you had me go talk to a high school that's um, an arts high school, and I spoke to some fine um, writing classes and then a theater group, and they basically found it inspiring that I had taken a lot of rejection, but I didn't give up. And some people could call that insanity, whereas <laughs> the younger people saw it as very inspiring and in that they, I sort of helped them decide that they wanted to pursue being writers or, or screenwriters or theater writers. And um, it, was, it was very enlightening for me to see the young people very um, motivated and interested in hearing my story and that I had gotten rejection, but I didn't give up. I kept going. So, um, you know, it's 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 yeah. a journey, but I wouldn't t- trade it for anything. And I'm I, I absolutely love writing the book. I love the process of writing the book and developing the story. Um, and the rejections just made me stronger. That's you know, and it's also made the book better because I would just go back and fix it and change it and make it better. So, and the reviews are coming yeah, in that, beyond my expectations. They're just amazing. Yeah, they are. How does, does do you still get excited with every one, every review that you get? <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. I actually would. do. I actually do, and I, um, I'm uh, first of all, I, I'm very um, floored that people take the time to post a review because everybody's so busy. And when I see a new review go up on Goodreads or Amazon, I'm like, oh, they, you know, they took the time to do that. And that means a lot, first of all. And second of all, um, just reading what people think about the book for, as a writer is just so exciting. It really is. And how um, it's affected them in some way. And it, it's a very thought provoking book. And it's, um, it's a story that people find very um, relatable, so which has been interesting to me and also exciting at the same time. You know, I've told you that, um, especially you know, as a reader, as a publicist, and also as somebody who uh, I've been to Book Expo three times, and if you've ever been, you know, you have to plan to you're going to be shipping home boxes of books because you get so many free books from publishers and mm-hmm. authors. And so I always have hundreds of books that come back, and I read so many things. And you'll read something, you think, oh, this is a fresh premise, and then you'll read the two or three behind it that are the same thing. And mm-hmm. when I read, first read Address the Color of the Sky before you published, uh, as voracious a reader as I am and as many books as I get, this was the first time I have ever read anything like this. And I think everybody that reads it has, has that's one thing that's grabbed them is that this is something fresh and different. Almost all of your reviews that I've read, and, and you can go, and folks, you can look at them on Amazon uh, and see it yourself. They almost all of them start or have some part about, I couldn't put this down. You know, I couldn't stop reading this. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one person yeah. even said they Page were sad Turner. when it ended. Cause, yeah. Yep. They're staying up way too, too late. Reading it, um, actually, I just I got a text the other day from my doctor who said that she had she loved the book, loved it, wrote loved like three times in the text, and then she said, and I've get, I've loaned it to my daughter, and I'm mad that I did because I want to read it again. I didn't want it to end. So yeah, that's the kind of yeah, it's just, it's very um, and she 
sometimes it's somebody unlikely where I think, oh, maybe they're not going to like it. That's probably not the genre they typically read. Um, and then I'm very surprised that they absolutely loved it. So, um, yeah, it's been it, – the, the reviews are fascinating to me, and they've been – they most for the most part, um, page turners. Anybody that had – I will tell you, if you've had a hard childhood and it – there some a couple of people thought it could trigger painful things in people's childhoods, and so um, and you'll see the reviews on on Goodreads. We'll have a spoiler alert or whatever, um, and I appreciate that too. That people um, they still give me a great rating, but they said you know it's possible if you've had a hard childhood it could trigger something, um, you know because my book is a re- it, it's got, the story is very relatable and it's something that could happen in real life and does happen in real life. And you, um, you put a lot of research into this book. So, oh, and by mm-hmm. the way, before we go any further, let me just stop and say, if you're listening live tonight and you want to call in and talk to Jennifer Irwin, whether you've read Address the Color of the Sky or if you're reading it now or if you haven't read it yet, uh, go ahead and give us a call because Jennifer would love to talk to you. The number is 646-716-9922. Blog Talk Radio assures me that this is a toll-free number in the continental U.S. So 646-616-9922. Or some people message in questions, but uh, but go ahead and give us a call. Um, so as we were talking about where the, where the inspiration for your book came, and that was uh, a few years back during a particular yeah, news story. Um, yeah, I well, there a lot of men were coming out um, as sex addicts, Tiger Woods being one of the main ones. Um, and I think that um, there weren't women coming forward as sex addicts, but I knew they had to be out there. Um, and I realized and learned through my research that this is a very shame-filled addiction, and women um, carry a lot of shame about their behavior and, and regret and remorse. And so they're less likely to come forward to get help if they – have a problem. And um, so I just became interested in, in the difference between the male and female sex drive and things like that. And why weren't women coming forward? And I just started getting into that. And I taught Pilates. So I got to know women and what women want and need as people. Um, and so it just kind of evolved over time into, um, and, and the fact that your childhood can really affect the type of man you marry, the type of man you date, your relationships and if you've had a hard childhood maybe you don't have a good man picker and you're you know you're going to pick a bad guy because you don't really know what a good man is and how would you know to pick a good husband or a good boyfriend if you didn't have a good father figure so you know just things like that um so i just i kind of put it all together i guess (laughs) and so you did a, a lot of um a lot of research on this before you began to write it, and I think that's one reason why. You know, when you talk, when you said earlier that these are some things that a lot of people have gone through, or um, you said, you know, you, some people concerned that there could be a, a trigger to some, you know, past some things in their past, mm-hmm. and you're surprised how some people react to the book. You know, this is, sort of goes with we never know really what someone else has gone through you know we can think somebody looks a certain way or sounds a certain Mm -hmm. way or seems put Mm -hmm. together a certain way but honestly we never know what kind of histories people have and what they're either dealing Mm -hmm. with or overcoming or 
you know, we don't know. So we never know how things will hit people in a certain way. You know, just sort of like no, you know, I think true. books and yeah, or like you know how music, certain songs, whether it's the chords mm-hmm. or the notes or the words, can strike something in you, and it might be something different to someone else. And mm-hmm. uh, I yeah, think I people, talked about that with the kids. I was talking to the high school about how music can create emotional triggers in people when you hear a song um, because of a memory or things like that. Um, and it's there isn't it's not a lot of really it's not like they're outlining abuse in my book is very blatant. It's really subtle, um, but. What I know is is that I did not have a solid father figure, and I was curious how that affected the type of man that I married and why did I marry um, and have the relationships I had. And I think it's really important um, to move forward from your past and to heal. Um, and that's kind of the kind of story I wanted to write. And, um, and I know I learned from teaching Pilates that women really want the same things regardless of their socioeconomic background. Um, and while I was writing the book, Kelly Oxford tweeted her sexual assault story, and then millions of women tweeted theirs, and it, which blew my mind to see how many women had, you know, and now what's going on in Hollywood, not just Hollywood, all over, um, with people coming forward saying they'd been assaulted, they'd had sexual harassment, things like that. It kind of has put my book and the subject matter of my book really in the forefront. Yeah, no kidding. And as you know, probably in the last few hours, we've also read that both Garrison Keillor and Matt Lauer have been mm-hmm. fired. Matt Lauer got fired. I just saw that. Yeah. And um, and the thing is, is that women have just tolerated a lot of this for many, many years mm-hmm. because um, they were afraid. Mm-hmm. I think they're afraid they're going to lose their job or they're afraid they're not going to get where they want to go and it and it's, it's it is frightening and i was just amazed by how many women had um in the i read the twitter feed when kelly oxford asked people to share their assault story and it was just it blew me away i mean i i read it for hours like so just couldn't take it anymore and it just it just led me to believe there's so uh, most most women have some story something that they can relate to where they've had a situation that was very uncomfortable it doesn't have to be or traumatizing and sometimes we just take we, we don't even know it's inappropriate because we're so used to it you know um i mean my mom i remember her telling me a story when she was on a business trip of some guy knocking on her hotel door and at the time i was young and i didn't really understand but now i just go oh that's awful you know my poor mom you know um and she was an mm-hmm. executive when that wasn't very common to there were a lot of women out there. So, but no, I mean, I, I really hope that my book has an important message for people and it helps people in some way. That's, that would make me very happy. Yeah. And I, I believe it will. And also I'm, and I, when I say that, I'm also saying not just from what, how I read it, but also from a lot of the reviews that, that, I've seen and comments on uh, Facebook and Instagram and social media, other social media outlets from people who have read or even in the middle of reading. When people stop in the middle of reading a book to post something and then get back mm-hmm. to it, I think that's pretty powerful too. And yeah, and there are some people who, uh, and I think it's mostly men saying, you know, 
well, why is why are people just now saying something? Well, you know, we did. We did say things, and then we all learned pretty quickly that if you say something, you're the problem. You're the one that, that HR right. is going to be looking yeah. at. Like, oh, she's a troublemaker. <laughs> That's right. You know, That's right. uh, you're the one because yeah. some men are in charge. You're the one that's going to be gone. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, it's just like my um, – like African American people, so they've had, you know, for years would say, well, you got to go along to get along, go along to get along. And that's mm-hmm. what all women have had yeah. to do. You know, sometimes it's like you yeah. just have to, well, if I quit this, then will I work? If I get a reference, so they're going to say, no, she's problem. You know, like any job where there's been a, um, I told my husband, I said, have you ever noticed at a company when there's a, a, a new receptionist and they're attractive, mm-hmm. or just there's a woman. And there are going to be guys hanging around and hanging around. And they never seem to get mad at the guys. It's always like the woman made them do it. You know, it's like, well, she's talking to guys all day and not getting her work done. You know, and there's somebody who's brand new thinking, well, yeah. I can't be rude to people, but i got to get this done. And it's never right. that nobody ever sits, tells the guys, hey, you've got to get lost. Or if some guy has <laughs> been, um, the, you know, the the tar- has been uh, the, what do you say, the, the abuser or the assaulter or somebody's always making inappropriate mm-hmm. comments and then i've heard this one too a lot of people have well we don't want to get rid of him he's got a family you know or he's got no. a, well he should have thought about that <laughs> why am right, i gonna pay for right. it you know why am i yeah. the one that has to get and kicked out just because he's got a family there was, no that's true and there's there's been something else that was while I was writing the book that had been coming out a lot in the news and that's um, date rape going on in college campuses. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big political person, publicly political person, but I appreciated that I could use my book as a way to address things that were troubling me and our society. And, um, and when I did research about um, date rape in my book and just understanding that when someone is date raped, they see themselves as a victim and it, it happens again more. It's more common that somebody has been date raped, they will have, get date raped again. And um, being the mother of boys, I don't have a daughter and I really wonder where are we going wrong in society and why is this happening? Um, and it just, so I was able to really kind of address those kinds of things and they're not fun topics, but boy, it's, it's troubling what's happening so Mm -hmm. um i feel as though we are taking a turn obviously in our society for the better and um you know but at the timing of my book could not have been more just right on because of everything going on in, in in our society and it just addresses it in my book it just it's all right there um and i guess i just got lucky that way but uh it it's, yeah. been, it's been a great adventure for me. So, yeah, it, it's definitely very timely. Um, when, you know, I wanted to say, too, when you were talking about, uh, you, you you talked to some high school classes in Greenville, South Carolina, um, and it was two creative writing classes, a drama class. And, by the way, the teacher of the drama class, when I saw her on Thanksgiving, said that they – still talk about you every single day. Oh, oh that's so sweet. You know, it was, and I, was thinking, and I, was, I think it helped, it helped <laughs> that I have kids and I had just had a child graduate from high school so I could understand the thought, a little bit more of the thought process that high schoolers have. Um, 
And the way that I went into the creative writing class was just to talk about music. And a song is a great way to hear a story because they only have so long to tell you the story and their words are really important. And, um, and I think that songs, listening to songs and how well they can describe something. And then I asked them to describe without saying the word happy or sad, what a happy kitchen would look like, what a sad kitchen would look like, and just kind of got them interacting. But it was really fun for me to talk to the high schools. I really enjoyed it. And I felt humbled when they said, can we get your autograph? Can we take our picture with you? <laughs> I'm nobody. This is nobody you're taking a picture with. <laughs> but it just they were so starry-eyed, and that just was – very touching for me. I was just, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was really cute. And it, um, it made me feel a well, little bit worthy in the way that I have written a book. And to them, that's kind of a big deal. And yes, it took me five years. Yes, I got a, reje- a lot of rejection, but I did it. <laughs> yeah, but you so know, I think, and I was, I was actually, I was hesitant to say that here. I didn't want to embarrass you, you know, but that's what she said is every day. And again, you know, I'm, Sitting there watching you, I was I was I was amazed. You you know you knew how to reach out and engage them. Usually, with, especially early in the morning, some of these kids are still asleep, and um, you know you knew how to wake them up and engage them and and make them want you know talk. And you knew how to reach out, and that may be a lot because you know you do have uh, you know sons as well. You know, but still, it was interesting because you you told them yes, there's rejection. Hey, you know you see me. I'm a published author. I've sold film rights. I'm from L.A., this is great, but don't think that doesn't mean that I wasn't rejected a lot, you know, and that mm-hmm. gave them a lot of inspiration, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as teacher said. And, and I, I, yeah, no, that's it, it's true. And just because, you know, I mean, I live in L.A. or whatever, I mean, nothing was easier. It's just L.A. is just L.A. It's, it's probably even more cutthroat here than it is, you know, unless you're in New York or something. It's just hard being – Trying to do anything, trying to chase any dream is hard. And if it's too easy, it's not worth it. it it's just it, the journey oh. is half the experience of getting where you want to go. And that's the message I, I really want to tell them. Yeah, and, and in my book, yep. there's actually um, a chapter on music therapy. And I went into depth on how songs can make you happy and sad. And I used that chapter when I talked to the high schoolers because I thought, well, they can relate to that. So that was kind of fun that I was able to do that. And you do have a lot of information in here. I mean, you did great, thorough research about a facility because let's talk for people who don't know this yet. um, Dress the Color of the Sky, the main character is Oldrich. And tell us a little bit about Prudence. What she's going through um, here. Prudence has had um, called childhood, and the book goes back and forth in time. So she's has bad behavior. She's a flawed character, but at the same time, when you read about her life and what happened to her, you begin to care for her and root for her. And because of her childhood, she did see herself as a victim. And part of the process of her healing from her sexual addiction. Um, is that she goes through this rehab program and she has to see herself as not a victim anymore. And then she can start to move through into the light. Um, and that, that process is something 
that's um, it's heart wrenching and it's not easy, but um, people can relate to that. I mean, there's a, a little scene in my book about food, and I think a lot of us were told to clean our plates, and a lot of us were told you're going to sit there until you're finished everything on your plate. I mean, I, I don't think people do it much anymore because yeah. there's eating disorders and whatnot, but I, you know, I felt like I was pretty much tortured with food as a kid, you know, eat the liver, oh, yeah. eat the this. Yeah, so for me, um, I had to put that in there because it, it was part of my childhood that I thought was very relatable. And a lot of people have told me, oh, my gosh, that scene, I fully lived that, you know. So that was kind of, um, yeah, neat for me to be able to apply some of my own stories and my own experiences into the book and that were relatable. And so, and so Prudence is going through, going into rehab yeah, as we, so she, and, uh, yeah, she's in rehab and she, her addiction's men. So she has a glaring sticker that says females only. And she feels like an anomaly because no one else has the females only sticker. Um, so she's not supposed to talk to men and, um, she basically her, since her addictions, men and they're everywhere and you can't really score a line or a drink in rehab, but she can see men and there's men in rehab. So she's told not to talk to them, which proves to be very difficult for her. Meanwhile, her roommates are having sex with people, but they don't have a blaring pink sticker. And she's like, why don't they have a sticker? You know? And so, um, she does have a minor slip up. And one thing I did learn is when people are in recovery, they have they are raw and vulnerable, and people tend to fall in love when they're in rehab. It's very discouraged, but you get so deep treatment programs that people fall in love with somebody, even though it may not be truly love. It feels like it at the time. Um, so I I have heard have a minor slip up, um, and she thinks she wants her husband back. And she thinks that she is the bad seed in the relationship. And as time goes on, um, that's actually not totally the case. And I think everyone can understand that marriages are 50-50. And it's the reason of the demise of any marriage is usually it's the halfway in between somewhere. And so mm-hmm. I have the family, the, the whole thing comes to a head during family week when Nick, her husband, comes, and then her best friend shows up and her brother, and there's sort of like a big blow-up in in the family week. And in the very end, she's not sure, does she really want him back? So it's I leave it at the end a little hanging, but she does have a little slip-up with somebody in rehab. But she comes clean on it, um, which shows that she's growing as a person, and she's not she's trying to do better i think so you you still root for her even though she has a minor slip up at least that's what the readers are telling me and i'm hoping yeah so um, but you care for her because of her childhood but she does have sex with someone on the airplane going to rehab so at first you're like wait a minute who is this girl you know and then the minute it goes into the childhood you start to figure out what her deal is and and um and she has a tough outer shell, and she needs to shed that. And I refer to that as the donkey skin, um, which is a fairy tale. And um, and I sort of weave that through the book because we all have this outer shell that we present to the world when inside we might be broken or we might have a story that people don't really know. So um, that's the donkey skin, our covering, our protective covering. Yeah. So... 
Yeah. And is the um the, the, the fairy tale you referred to that comes to is that called Address the Color of the Sky or what is the do you know the name of that? No, it's called yeah, it's called Donkey Address. Skin. But in Donkey the fairy skin. tale um there is a there's a situation where the king wants to marry his daughter and um which is obviously unnatural and would be considered incest and so in order to have to not marry her father, the princess goes to a fairy, and the fairy says, "Have him make a dress the color of the sky. He'll never be able to do that, and then you'll be free." But then, of course, the king does make a dress the color of the sky, and so on. The moon and the sun, and then so it's a very um, old fairy tale, um, but it's it's a story that I related to, and I thought was very um, connected in some way to my book. So, and the title just was so beautiful. I mean, I just love the title. So, that, but that's where I came up with the title was from from the fairy tale Donkey Skin. I like that, and it's true. It is true. There is a Donkey Skin. There is that, that side of us we show to the world that we cover up as our, our outer shell. And by the way, if you're listening live, you want to talk to Jennifer Irwin, just call us six four six seven one six nine nine two two. Now, one thing that everybody wants to talk to you about and is interested in is a very exciting thing. Before you were published, you were approached by, as we talked as we touched on earlier, uh, to sell the film rights to address the color of the sky. So tell us about that. And, and, and uh, um, where well, are we? What's going on? on? Yeah. When I was writing the manuscript, um, I, I asked people to read it and saw reviews and, um, tried to get as many people to tell me what they thought of it. And then my manuscript got into someone's hands. And at the time, and still right now, um, film rights are getting purchased to stories that have flawed female characters. And Reese Witherspoon started that trend. And she's been extremely pot. Her book club is extremely powerful and incredibly strong. And she loves to see stories that have depth and have characters that um, are flawed, that women that have issues because nobody's perfect. And so I think that's got sort of springboarded a lot of producers to look for stories and look for books early and to snatch them up a little bit faster than they had in the past. So my book got into um, an executive producer's hands who was looking for a project who was, um, and the story really moved her and it, and it, within just probably weeks of her reading a very rough draft, she wanted the film rights and she wanted to buy the film rights regardless of whether I published the book or not. It was just the story. She wanted the story. And to her, it was a story of the human condition. It was a very relatable story and it was about being loved and wanting, wanting to be seen and healing. And, um, and she has a really beautiful vision for what she wants to do for the film. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what they come up with. I'm, I'm hoping to be on the writing team. Um, I did write a film pitch document um, with another screenwriter and I, I write dialogue, very strong dialogue. So I'm hoping to be involved in the dialogue writing. And um, I haven't been told no yet. I haven't been told yes. So I'm kind of on the fence, but I'm hopeful. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> sorry, just kind of got me off track with something. Um, your 
you actually have uh, your, your college degree is in cinema, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I worked in the film business for a long time before um, I became a Pilates teacher, and it was my, you know, I mean, I I got was in advertising and television commercials and industrial theater, so I've been in that business for a long time, and I retired when my third son was born, and then I taught Pilates just, um, you know, when my kids were in school and that kind of thing, and later I did it full, full time when I got divorced and I, I survived and lived on the Pilates teaching money. And I think that that also helped me build the characters in the book because I taught private Pilates and I talked to women all the time. And just like a hairdresser is kind of a therapist, when you teach Pilates one-on-one, you talk to people and you hear their lives and you share. And, um, and it was very interesting for me to see that women really want the same things, no matter who they are or where they're from. And, um, and I wanted to create a character that was like that. And I, I also wanted to create good friendships for the protagonist for Prudence. And I, I, and those are some of the favorite characters that the reviewers are telling me is that they love Lily. They love Allie and these two friends that she Mm -hmm. has. And, and yeah. So, um, Anyway, I just I wanted to do something very relatable to women, and um, this film producer has uh, her daughter is in the master's program at USC School of Cinematic Arts, which is the Harvard of film schools. Mm-hmm. And so oh yes, I believe they're going to work on the project together, which is really neat to to for me to think of the two generations because a younger generation brings such a different eye um, than the somebody my age so it's kind of neat that they have this to this team of someone in their 20s and someone in their 50s so that that was kind of cool and I think it'll be a great film I have no doubt that this is going to be a beautiful film oh I think it will and, and I like that I hadn't thought about that but yes with the producer and her daughter working on it you're right the different generational uh, even the mm-hmm. even the uh the the point of view you know, or the and, yeah. and the experiences that create that will add a lot of texture as yeah. well. Um, they just they ended up they just finished work um, producing a book to film adaptation, and I can't remember the name of it right now. But it was a, de- a small-ish budget, um, but I think it went really well. And they ended up using a lot of the properties that they're going to be using on, on Address the Color of the Sky. So that was good. They were able to, to test a lot of the locations that they're they're planning on using um so there's the wheels are in motion there hasn't been a lot of things going yet they don't have the screenplay yet but i i know that they're planning on starting filming in may so i'm assuming they're going to be i know that she's been doing storyboarding um so yeah they're they're moving along with it so, very yeah, exciting. I feel like getting closer. Now, you, you come <laughs> off the road for just a little while, but I know you're going to be going back out soon. Now, people can go to you, – you're great at social media, so people can find you easily. And your schedule yeah. is uh, is kept up on your website still? Yes, yeah. So um, I posted the entire schedule also on Goodreads. And um, I do have to put – I'm going to be in Florida. I'm going to Florida in January um, for two events, which I'm really looking forward to, and I'll be over on the west side of Florida. Um, and I'm supposed to, I believe I'm going to Sun Valley in December um, for an event that's going to be put on by the film producer. So that I don't know if that's private. I believe it's going to be a private event. So, um, 
But yeah, and I'm going to be doing a lot of things here in California. I'm setting up some book signings here. Um, hoping to do one in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. There's just a bunch of different. Um, I love the little indie bookshops too. I really love them. I mean, I obviously I love Barnes and Noble, but I love supporting all the different types of stores and bookstores. And and I'm also really open to doing Skype and calling into book clubs. If you want to have me be a guest at your book club, I love doing that. Um, and just being involved in that way. And, and you can call an author and Skype in an author, and then they can do a Q&A, which is really fun. And I, so, you know, any book clubs out there, I love doing that. So hit me up, Jen Irwin Author, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Jennifer Irwin Author, but it's, I'm very easy to find. And my website, JenniferIrwinAuthor.com, has all the links to every social media possible known to man that I'm yeah. on. So. Yeah, so when we get cranked up on this, let's see. Yeah, so you may be uh, Sun Valley, Idaho. I think it's December the 18th is the date for that. Don't know mm-hmm. if that's, yeah, it could be private. Not sure, but I'll certainly um, find out and, and share that as well. Also, uh, when you're in Florida, that's going to be Marco Island. And mm-hmm. there's going to yep, be a private Marco event, Island. but then there's also an event at the Marco Island Center for the Arts that's supposed to be fantastic. I talked to the director, yeah. and she said there's going to be some wines and foods, and, and these are in glasses. They're not in plastic cups. I mean, this is going to be a classic yeah. event for you. <laughs> I also found out the director of that museum or that uh, art center went to my boarding school, the same boarding school I went to, So, which I didn't oh, know. Okay. So that's, Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. Apparently, she's reading the book and she loves it. So, Yay. yeah, I got a message from a book club in Marco Island that I'm going to be talking with, and it's a huge group, and they are all reading the book and obsessed. So that's going to be a very fun event for me because I'll be able to really answer questions to people who have read the book and want to ask me about things. Um, yeah, so I'm, people, and I'm submitting my book right now to contests, to a lot of awards and competitions and contests. So um, hopefully I'll get some accolades. I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, I, I, I think it's a pretty, pretty, um, a pretty safe bet when, uh, that, that you definitely will. When you go to uh, a hope or to Book Expo in New York next year. Um, yeah, I, think, I uh, filled out. Um, I, I did fill out an application to be a guest speaker and um, on the process of how I sold the film rights to my book and just everything people want to know about book to film and how you do it and all that I've learned from the process um, and negotiating all that, negotiating the contract, negotiating the details. Um, and I actually ended up talking to an agent here in um, L.A. who handled one of Reese Witherspoon's book deals, and I was able to get a hold of that contract. So it was just I got really lucky, but I did a lot of legwork, and I have a great attorney. A lot of authors wouldn't know, how much do you ask? What do you get? You know, And I didn't know that. So um, I just think it's kind of now that, from what I understand, at the Cannes Film Festival, a lot of the big publishers are there peddling their books to filmmakers. It's getting so hot now and, that people are buying film rights. Oh yes, definitely. And uh, um, and I think the way things are going right now with in Hollywood and with the big changing of the guard going on, like uh, obviously Miramax is is not going to be what it was. I think we're going to see a lot more women 
filmmakers mm-hmm. in charge and having the opportunity to produce good work, uh, produce exceptional work, and especially based on books as good as yours. I mean, this is something fresh. It's new. It's timely. It's uh, definitely yeah. an original script. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like it, and I think we've got a lot to look forward to there and a lot a lot of great things coming. You, you know, you said that this is a good thing, too, as you were telling people, sometimes at interviews or especially talking to students, yes, it's not that easy. It takes years. It didn't happen overnight. You started writing in and went through several revisions or um, drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there were um, a lot of rejection. Yep. Yep. That's true. I was say, That's and true. on the other hand, on the other hand, or to me, this goes hand in hand with it. Yes, going to do the work, putting in the work, and getting the rejections, and going back again, and going back again, no matter, and sending it out again, no matter how many rejections. That's part of show business. You know, that's part of people, mm-hmm. you know, you just can't imagine. Um, it, people with a job that say, well, I was up against five other people to get a job. You don't, you don't know what it's like to be up against, you know, 500 or 5,000 other people for a job. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. But at the same time, it's the fact, you know, I believe, in, and you can uh, add or, or or disagree, however, you know, with your experience. But I think also hand in hand with that is the fact that you kept putting yourself out, you kept putting the book out, you kept sharing the book you kept meeting people and talking about the book and that is what I tell people enables you to meet the people you need to meet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know to well, I, meet somebody I like, oh and I met somebody to connect mm-hmm. I'm I am not afraid to talk about my book and, and to really work hard to promote my book and when I was writing it I talked about it a lot my friends are probably getting really sick of it um but I also won a public. They were like, "Wait, is this your first or second book?" Because they they couldn't believe how long it took me. But um, <laughs> I won a publishing contest, and um, as being the most voted on book idea in this um, contest, and basically um, that was me just getting the word out and getting asking people to vote mm-hmm. for my book, and so that started the groundwork. And what I learned from winning that publishing contest, which I ended up not publishing with them but was that you have to market before, while you're writing the book, before you write the book, when you have an idea to write the book, you have to start marketing. because And it falls on the, on the author's shoulders. It doesn't matter if you publish with Doubleday or where, you know, or you self-publish. You've got to hustle, and you've got to get the word out. People aren't going to just know you wrote a book. You have to, you know, promote. Um, so I... I my boy, I told you, my boyfriend's an attorney, and he told me in law school they don't tell you you're in sales because when you're a lawyer, you're selling. You're you're selling your hourly rate. You have to find clients, mm-hmm. and they're not going to just come. So the thing is, is that when you're a writer, you're in sales too. And I learned that when I was on the road with you. I learned that I oh I have to wait. I have to sell. Oh I, I yeah. People aren't just going to come up to me. <laughs> Yes, you have to sell. So you know, suck it up. How do you crush here on the plane and then thinking. go back out and do it again? I was so afraid that I thought, God, if I were the one driving, she would just drive off and leave me after this. I just knew you would because it's different. You know, people don't know. Once you get out there, it's like you go to one place. And there's a hundred, couple of hundred people there for you. You go to another place, you might have. And let me tell you, all 
big authors will tell you this. Carolyn C's got a great book about it. Grisham will tell you this. Wayne Dyer about how putting books in the trunk of their car thinking, well, what the hell? I might as well put them in my car and yeah. try to sell them myself. No. Nobody's going to sell them in the I store. Told. They ain't going to go anywhere. Yeah, I, think I, signed, I signed like 10 books at <laughs> Barnes Noble after doing 250 at my book release party, and I thought, <laughs> no. what the? And the guy said, no, that's really that's great. We, we're really happy with yeah. that. And I was like, you are? <laughs> you know, and so who knew? I, I don't know, you know. And I keep so thinking, it's, it's, thank God I'm driving, or else I'd be left on the side of the road. I'd be looking for an Uber out in some place that's not even on a map. You know, I'd be I'd be uh, fired. I'd be yeah. let go. Because you don't, it's hard, you know, for new authors to know. So one day it's going to be great. The next day, in fact, Carolyn C. has a book on, and her, you know, her daughter Lisa C. Uh, a lot of people know she's a very popular author too. But Carolyn said, you know, I've been places where I had, a uh, couple hundred people there already to buy my book. She goes, and I went to another place where I had a, at a bookstore, and they had all these chairs set up. And she said, the only two people came in and sat. And then I find out at the end, after they've listened to me read my book, that they were only there because it was raining outside, and they were walking home. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of I, I. I have the same experience in Richmond because it was the day that morning. There's been a marathon, and it was the night of the first cold snap. Mm-hmm on a street that's normally bustling with people. There was no one, um, no one outside. And there were three people that sat and listened to my, me read my book. And um, I thought, well, they're here, and they deserve my attention. And I'm grateful yeah. somebody showed up. So you just have to keep going. And the journey is, is not, I keep telling myself, this is a marathon. It's not a, it's not a race. It's not a sprint. And um, the, the ripples <laughs> in the true. water, you know, the, the, you drop the pebble and the ripples just go and you have to keep dropping the pebbles. You just have to keep doing it. Um, and I it's believe true. in and the you story. Know, I believe in the book. And, and, and well, you should. And that's the way. And people in show business will always tell you that, too. And like you said, your boyfriend's a lawyer. He knows you have to keep selling yourself. When in one of my first PR jobs, you know, I was um, – hired by an agency to work on some of their contracts and one of them was a private chef and he worked for uh jennifer garner and mel gibson now he worked for jennifer garner mm-hmm. for private she hired him for private parties dinner parties she was having but he was the main chef for years for mel gibson and his family and just as i'm calling to get him because they said you know sell that sell that he's mel gibson's family private chef as they're push sending me out to sell this to everybody that's when mel gibson has his big meltdown oh no <laughs> you're just you like know, uh... Yeah, or I did several HBO documentary premieres, and we're doing great. Everything is going fine, you know, each one. So then I get one, and I get them in one city. I think it's Raleigh or somewhere. And just as I got all the press going there, I get a phone call from the agency saying, okay, they're telling me none of this press is showing up. And that's because some man had just uh, had killed his wife and strangled her with the uh, strap. Oh, the, no. Um, Seatbelt, and so everybody belt. runs there. Oh. They're going, but you said they were coming. Look, look, what am I supposed to do? Call and go, okay, look, 
You got the seatbelt. You know who did it. Snap a picture and get back to it later. They're not going to do that, you know. But it's just that anything can happen like that. You just you don't, don't know. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. You know, it's like when people were saying, "Well, I'm sure that during the Gary Condit scandal, that he was that he was probably the only person that was happy about 9/11 because it took the pressure off of him." You know, it's just that kind of business. Anything can happen, and you can make all these plans. And as yeah. horrible as that sounds, that's the way the media. That's the way it rolls, and you got to mm-hmm. know about it. Yeah, well, I am yeah. so proud of you, and I'm proud of how you work. I know you've got a lot more great things coming, and I got to tell oh, you, thank you, the last thing I want to say is you. I, you know I'm proud of you. And the last thing, you dedicated your book. It says for my mother Ellie, my guardian angel, and to all the women, all the women who are chasing a dream. And I think that's yep. wonderful. You, you're you're inspiring your sisters more than you know. Oh, I get choked up just even and, hearing you read that because, you know, I really want people to know that you can, and no matter how old you are, um, and I think yeah. my older my oldest son told me I'd inspired him because I'm old, and I'm doing something new <laughs> with my life, and he thought that was really inspiring. <laughs> And I am old, but the thing is, is that um, I think sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid of what people, what people won't like it, or people. Like, well, and I've learned to toughen my skin up a little bit because everyone's not going to like me. Everyone's not going to like my book, and um, that's okay. That's just okay because I'm doing this because I believe in it, and a lot of people do like it, and a lot of people will like me. So you just have to continue doing it and chasing your dream and following your heart and it will work out. And I believe it will. I have to just keep believing. And I believe it will too. Star, thank you so much for being here on Madam Perry's Long. I thought that music was coming up softer. It's Sonia Tetlow, that's all right by me, another great gal. Everybody go out and find her on social media. You know she's on all my social media. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Well, thank you so much. And you know what I think I'm going to do? Because I I think I I took that song off because I know what you really want. You want me to sing sing you out of this show, right? And that's exactly what (laughs) I'm going to do. So go to JenniferIrwinAuthor.com and get the rest of the color of the sky. You can get it on. This is my CD play now. Thank you.